Uh, would you go ahead and have a seat right now and um, allow this moment to stay with us as we've been drawn by God into his very presence. We've been welcomed because of what Jesus did for us on a cross, taking our place so that there was nothing in the way for people who have him to come before the living God. It's why you're here. It's why I came today. Beautifully drawn in by the truth of the songs we've just sung. Great is thy faithfulness. What an amazing statement. A God that says, I will, for, I will, I will move the biggest mountain from your life. You say, what is that? Is it physical? I don't think so. I think it's bigger than that. Is it relational? Well, sort of. It has to do with the most important relationship of all, the vertical one, that, that things get in the way of. But he says if we, if we confess the stuff that's in the way, he is faithful. We just sang about that. And just to forgive us, not to condemn us, not to beat us down, not to rub our nose in us, in our stuff, in the thing that's in the way. But he, he's faithful and just to forgive us and say, have a seat. Stay put. Don't go anywhere. Let's be together. God is faithful. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Uh, my heart uh, was struck with a little, not a little, a significant sort of flashback uh, struggle this morning um, in visiting with some new friends who uh, are facing... Uh, a sneaker wave of their own. And uh, I know that well. Debbie and I know that well. My family does too. And um, the song that, I had no idea I would hear that from these dear people. But the song that we just sang, uh, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I believe you will do it again. I remember th singing that in theory, and then it became our reality. So will you join me right now in praying for people you know who face a mountain? They are in every way stuck. They can't get over it. They can't go around it. They can't go through it. They need the mountain moved. Let's pray together. As we come to you, God, we know that you are present with us. Your Holy Spirit inhabits the praise of your people and the praises have gone up bountifully this morning. And God, we know that there's not just the ones I've talked to this morning, but others in our midst with secret insurmountable obstacles that have them wondering, will this ever turn out, much less turn out well?
So God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, knowing that the songs we just sang are more than songs. They're truth that you've recorded in your word for all of eternity. For the 21st century and people that fill this room at Grace Point this morning, for those that are in other places, in some cases very far away, sitting in a hotel room or a family room or, or some other place taking in truth, please communicate your truth that I am faithful. I will be with you in it, through it, and beyond it because I am your God. So make that truth our take-home today, we pray. And uh, Lord, help us to leave here seeing dead ends very differently, all because of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, kids, you don't need my prompting, but have a blast. There's all kinds of cool things for you. Enjoy yourself. And some of you look like you're bigger than kids, and we're going to start checking ID. So um, what a great start to our morning. Thank you, worship team, for just beautiful things that we got to experience at uh, your prompting. And if you're one of those people that has something that you haven't told anybody about, you're not sure it can work out. Would you do me a favor? Would you reach in the card rack in front of you? Most everybody except front rows have them in the chair in front of you. Take out one of those. It's a welcome card. Tell us what's going on. You got a worry, a burden, a struggle, something you know you don't have the resources to fix. Would you just write that down? Put your name if you'd like. And we'd like that. And then on your way out, there's a box in the back. It says give, and you can give your, uh, your, your gifts, your morning gifts. You can also give uh, your connection card. And that'll, that'll just move in motion a whole bunch of us that love to pray and really believe that it makes a difference, okay? So handle that. You online, do the same thing. You can scroll down and see where that's uh, offered for you there. Please tell us what you're living with. Because one thing's for sure, you're not meant to live it alone. You're not. Um, and so I believe that with all my heart. Anyway, let's go back to last week. Um, to those who thought last week was like, oh man, because we're in the book of Acts in the New Testament, you thought, how could they ever go forward from this? I'm referring to the fist fight between Paul and Barnabas. I'm not sure there were fists or blows thrown, but <clears throat> there were plenty of verbal. When we read words in chapter 15, verse 39, that there was a sharp disagreement. That wasn't a very um, thoughtful, carefully worded uh, note, or we would say today a text. This was a call out. This was like, are you kidding me? And it came back the same way. And they went, toe-to-toe, blow-to-blow. And the result of that is they parted ways. The sharp disagreement brought about that development. They parted ways. One went north, one went south. One went east, one went... The point is they stopped going together. I heard from people last week... Um, 
By the way, I'll give you a hint of where we're going this morning. You're going to discover that that ain't so. Uh, If you left with that impression, I had a couple of people actually say to me last Sunday, almost like, and I remember resisting tying a nice little bow saying, wasn't that a good sermon? I remember thinking, you know what, our real life conflicts don't get fixed in 30 minutes on TV and they don't get fixed in an hour and a half in a sermon. Did I say an hour and a half? Uh, (laughs) You get my idea, right? They don't. They don't. You've had that conflict and the division it caused for a long time. And I'm not going to just dangle a false promise because I've got nothing to back this up. But it may stay with you a while still until God moves. And you've seen him move. He's moved the mountains. Write down this verse. If it's not in my notes, it has no thought until this moment. Psalm 77, 19. You made a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. Is that a cool God? I mean, is that a God that says, you go, what? And he's talking about this sea that could not be crossed by, as most believe, about 2 million people. All right? No bridge, no tunnel, no way to go way around it. They thought we're hosed, we're dead. And God said, wait a minute, you forgot one more. I'll I'll, I'll make a way through it. You made a pathway through the sea, a pathway. There wasn't a genius in the bunch that went, I knew that was coming. (laughs) I saw that. Yeah, the smartest guy in the crowd went, hey guys, don't be surprised. I had this all worked out in my head. Are you kidding me? No. No. That's what God does, and he still does that. But last week, a couple of people said to me, and I thought this was great insight on their part. They actually said, you know, Pastor, um, it seems to me that um, the most obvious good or gain that came from this way partying, maybe friendship killing conflict was that now there was not just one missions team, but two And you would be correct. There were now two missions teams. Silas and Paul, uh, and then Barnabas, who used to roll with Paul, took John Mark, and they truly did go in different directions. So there's some takeaway there. Hold on to that for a sec, because we're going to go deeper with that right now. Um, There's... That logic, though, when you said that to me, and there's, I think there were three of you that said that last week, took me back in time to a, uh, uh, a theologian in the early centuries, actually second century. His name was Tertullian. How many of you have named your child Tertullian? It's kind of a cool name, isn't it? I don't know if you shorten it to Tert. Hey, this is my son, Tert. But anyway, um, he, he was... Uh, aware of this book that we're reading and we're going to look at in a moment in Acts, and he saw something that stood out and he tried to make sense of it. That's what theologians do. They take the Bible, hopefully that's where they start, and they pull it out and go, wait a second, there's something going on here. And he looked through Acts to uh, not just one, but several examples of where persecution confronted individuals, this young church, 
and did terrible things. And he's, it's a head-scratcher. That's how it feels to normal people. We go, wait a minute, I'm walking with God. Things are on a roll. Everything's good. What? And we, we do this. We go, how come? Tertullian did that as he looked back, and he was trying to make sense out of, well, persecution for people that belong to Jesus who only want to share how you can belong to Jesus. That's a, how do you persecute somebody for that? That was going on. And Tertullian famously said, you could write this down, the blood of the martyrs, because he saw lots of it in Acts, is the seed of the church. If you know anybody in the Chinese church today in China, you know it to be one of the largest, if not the largest church of, or gathering of Christians in the world. It's true in other countries as well. Very huge numbers. No churches in sight because they're not allowed. And persecution drove them to go, here, here's my Christian card, take it. No. It forced them underground where they thrive today. Amen? Where they thrive today. Um, so no words better describe that. I just want you to see this real quick. Uh, would you stop in chapter 7? Um, we've done, we, we went here before. Chapter 7 of Acts. Uh, Stephen, I uh, don't like the, the name Stephen, especially when it's associated with the first Christian killed, for Jesus' sake. But it's true. He was the first known martyr. And Stephen... Um, they were tired of hearing his comments, the, the Pharisees and others. And they put their hands over their ears and they rose up with voices louder to, than his to drown him out. And this is what uh, the text tells us in verse 57 near the end of Acts 7. At this they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at Stephen, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses, that means there were people like today with cell phones watching the action. Witnesses took their coats off and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, don't hold this against them. When he had said this, the Bible gently describes that he fell asleep. He died. The text isn't done. His blood was all over the ground. And Saul, the guy that they laid their coats at his feet, um, this is sick to read. He had an approving smile at killing Stephen. That's sadistic in our day. We call that sadistic. On that day, note, note, keep reading if your text is, if your Bible's open. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the, the apostles were, look at the word, scattered. It's like run for cover, baby. They're coming for us next. And that, look at the very next verse. Godly men buried Stephen, mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going house to house this time, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison, presumably 
to end them as well. But look at the next words. Those who were scattered, hid out, hoping no one would ever come knocking. No, they stood out. They preached the word wherever they went. People, the blood of the martyrs is truly the seed of the church. So in chapter 16, where we will be now um, in Acts, the friend separating fight that we went deeply into last week between Paul and Barnabas, not surprising, did not slow down, and it didn't shut down the advance of the gospel. In fact, as you said to me last week, it sped it up. Um, I, I will tell you this in case you start looking for ways it sped it up. Uh, the narrator of this portion of scripture, Dr. Luke, he also wrote the Gospel of Luke, if you're kind of finding your way around the Bible. Uh, he no longer followed Barnabas at all. He, un, I would say, unfriended him, but that's probably reading into it. He just didn't go there anymore. Uh, there's no other reference to Barnabas and his missionary meanderings through the rest of the 28 chapters of Acts. Uh, the missionary movement of the Apostle Paul took now center stage. And the, those movements are the focus of chapter 16 all the way to the end of the book of Acts. Okay, just a point of reference. Now, the two new teams followed the conflict, uh, following that uh, conflict we talked about last week. Paul and Barnabas uh, left in different directions, as I've said. And Paul took his cousin, uh, excuse me, Barnabas took his cousin, John Mark, and they went down to a port city, got on a boat, and began to retrieve, or re retrace, rather, the steps of the first missions trip. But Paul took Silas and headed west. And now with that ramp, we're ready to read. Verse 40 of chapter 15. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers. That means they had hands laid on them, an affirmation given to them. And they went from there, verse 41, through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derbe, then to Lystra. If you've been with us, you're already going, whoa. He went back there. I'll explain that. He went there to Derby, then to Lystra, a neighboring city, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Most people, for complicated reasons, believe the dad did not uh, subscribe to Jesus. He, we would not call him a believer. I can't say that for certain, but I leave it out there. Verse 2, the believers at Lystra and Iconium, another nearby city, spoke well. He's referring to Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, Timothy, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all know that it knew that his father was a Greek. Remember his mother, a Jewish woman. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. That's, you can get a full list of that in the previous chapter. We're not going there today, but we've done it in previous weeks in this 
study. So the churches, look at verse 5, were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Um, you know, when I read that and stopped reading for a minute, as I am right now, um, I think about the expression, great to be back on the road again. Right? I mean, you, you get that feeling as you read this, and you'll sense it even more as we move on here. Um, do you have a road like that in your life? I mean, a real place that you love. Once you get on that road, you start thinking Willie Nelson thoughts. Right? <laughs> um, you start thinking on the road again. Just can't wait to be on the road again. Uh, Debbie and I do. We, our favorite is when we get on I-84, and we're heading east from Portland. So uh, not too far along after Troutdale, you start to see this glorious sight on your left as you're heading east. It's the Columbia River, and it's, it speaks to us. It says, I got this. Just follow the river, baby. And we just keep following, and that's in front of us on the left, and behind us is Portland. <laughs> keep moving, baby. Keep moving. So we're having a great time, and we're, we're, we, we sometimes, I think we've done it a couple of times, but we feel like we're on the road again. This is really cool. Wondering in the moment, will we ever go back? You know that road? How many have been on going to the sun road in Glacier National Park? Okay, if you've never been there, don't go there because you'll, be, you'll make it crowded, okay? Just stay away, but take my word for it. It's unbelievable, and it's incredibly, whether it's the Columbia River Gorge Highway or Glacier National Park or the Apostle Paul now with Silas and Timothy, it's incredibly energizing to be back on the road. That's the feeling I think they had as they're on this road. And by the way, the road they took was... Um, it was a very significant road. We sometimes refer to it as the Roman road. It's wide. It's not a path. Ancient world, no pavement. But it's wide. It's about, many believe, up to 20 feet wide at places. For sure, around 12 on average. So it's a wide road. And, um, and Paul, we're told, wants to see, clearly wants to see places and people that he that he met on his first missions trip. All right? That's what we've read. Of note, verse 1, you have Lystra. See Lystra? Some of you went, oh man, do I remember Lystra. Lystra, um, it's where a mob of very angry Jews, uh, stirred up by locals, attacked Paul. And they drug him out of the city this is the very guy that was there when they killed uh, Stephen earlier in chapter 7. Well, I don't know. I'm not calling it karma, but it is Paul's turn. And they drag him out of the city. And they beat him so badly that the text tells us in uh, chapter 14, verse 19, that he looked dead. This was not a good thing. Um. And that happened in Lystra. Only this time in Lystra, 
there's cause for smiling. This second missions trip, because we're introduced to a young man named Timothy who was willing to join the missions trip. So just briefly, what do we know about Timothy? Well, we just read it that he um, had a mom who was a Jewish Christian. We would say a completed Christian today. They're a person that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Isaiah 53 was talking about Jesus, and sure enough, here he is. So his mom, Timothy's mom, was that person. His dad was Greek, so it's, it's a different... Uh, um, maybe we would correctly use of them the, the idea of a mixed religion uh, family, okay? I've, I've met a lot of them. Um, I, uh, I've actually officiated at weddings in a Catholic church because one of the people being married um, by me and a, a priest, I almost said the Pope, I don't know the Pope, but <laughs> a priest. Uh, and by the way, I got, I got a nickname from that one time. Somebody leaving the place said, hey, dude, you're a cool priest. And I went, okay, I like it. Uh, some of you aren't laughing. Okay, that's fine. Don't call me cool priest. But here's the deal. <clears throat> um, there's this mixed religion couple, and Timothy, their son, uh, would probably, not just possibly, but probably be a stumbling block to Jewish people who insisted on um, circumcision. It was a big deal. In fact, it was a door closer if it, didn't, it wasn't the case. Timothy, we're, we're told, sounds kind of awkward to even talk about it, but he was not. And so he submitted to um, circumcision for precisely that reason. I don't want it to close the door then I haven't been circumcised. I, in that day, that would have been common talk. I don't want to close the door. I want to open a door. And so Timothy, with no external pressure that we're told about at all, and I don't believe there was any, I think Timothy said, you know what? I'll do anything for the sake of the gospel to help somebody see that Jesus died for them and wants to be the Lord of their lives. All right? So that's a kind of a good spirit. And some of you that know your Bibles, we're not going to turn there, but let me just tell you, that take, took me right away to 1 Corinthians 9. And the Apostle Paul, who, who basically said, I'll be all things, I want to be all things to all people, that I might by all means possible reach some with the gospel. If you want a full list, read 1 Corinthians 9. All of these things are at the bottom of your note page that you were handed. But listen to this um, statement. To the Jews I became a Jew, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20. I became a Jew to win the Jews. I have become all things to all people to win them and as many as possible. So Timothy was was that guy, and that's behind why he gets circumcised. A second thing we know about Timothy is that he was well spoken of. Okay? He, he, if you ask people, get a group of five and say, hey, what do you think about Tim Tim over here? 
And, and you would hear consistently, he's a real deal. Uh, you want to you hang out with him. He was spoken well of. Um, and um, that's a quality that apparently matters to God. If you're going to be a standout leader. If you're going to be a guy that is, let me use the word since it's personal to me, a pastor or a missionary. But it's way further than that. It's any leader. There are lists in the New Testament that tell you what God's looking for in all leaders, men and women. 1 Timothy chapter 3, not surprising, named after this, uh, in the letter Paul later wrote to him. And in Titus chapter 1, put those lists together and there's like 20, 19 different attributes that God's looking for. You know what's at the first of the list? Above reproach. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy, um, I want you, chapter 3, he says, I want you to set leadership in place in the church. He was in Ephesus, was a young church full of Christians, and they had no clue what to do. So who runs this club or this uh, program? And God, through Paul, said, here's how you do it. You set up leadership. And leaders must be, and he starts his list. At the top of the list is what we read here in verse 2, that, um, that Timothy was a guy that stood out. People talked or spoke well of him in a couple of cities, Lystra and Iconium, twin cities. He's kind of known, that tells us something, but he's known to be a good guy. It's as though Paul was saying, okay, Timothy, I want you to find people like you to lead my church. Um, blameless, good word. Uh, live out that in every way. So now as a, as a trio, Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, took to the road again. And they're going to share the gospel as stated um, and clarified in the chapter 15 council, the summit that we talked about recently. Um, and as they did, there's great impact going on. We're told in verse 5, we read it already, that people in those places were strengthened and grew in their faith. Uh, what a great thing. Uh, <clears throat> if you ask me uh, what my objective is as a pastor, it's a fair question. I've been asked it a lot over the years because I've been doing this a long time, 43 years. So what keeps you in it? What's the thing you want to do? And I would say something like, what I read in verse 5, I want to help strengthen uh, people in their faith and grow the number of people that know God as a result of my ministry. Let me put it personal. Why do I preach? Why do I teach? It's in hopes that I'll be able to experience something like that. Um, 
There's great words in Colossians chapter 1 that Paul uses to describe himself. He says, we preach Jesus, we present Jesus to all people, admonishing and teaching everyone for the purpose that we might present them complete in Christ. The word complete means mature. What do I want to do? If you and I have coffee, help you take the next step. Not become mature in 30 minutes. But take the next step. Give up on a past step, maybe. Overcome an obstacle. Say, God, I want you to move that because I want to be more for you and less for me. Isn't that good? So I'm after that as well. Um, uh, I want to go where God guides. And... Grow God's people. Um, I think that's what we're reading here, and it's a really cool picture. So when we read that they stopped in those places they had been to encourage the people, to reach more people, you would expect from there, the finish of this passage, would take us to a place where, wow, go to the biggest population centers, tell everybody you know, meet anybody that comes from any background with whatever problem they're facing, and tell it constantly. And so verse 6, well, let me just say, if that was what you thought might be next, it's surprising to say the least. Look at these words. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. These are all places in South Turkey. Just think of modern-day Turkey. They traveled through places, uh, regions of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept... Say what? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word... In the province of Asia. Where was Asia? It was up north. And there was a lot of people there. Verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, to do it. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. It's a port city on the Aegean Sea. Stop right there. You and I just read surprising words. Despite their efforts, despite their ambition to go there for all the right reasons, they run into a roadblock. And it's not a one-time roadblock. It's not a guy with a sign that says, hey, um, you know, road construction, be patient. It's a stopped plan. Despite their efforts, roadblock, more head-scratching stuff. Why? Have you been there? You're on a road, you think it's the right path, makes sense, and you run into um, the roads, no, no way forward. Let me just say it the way I saw it. Dead ends don't make sense. You know me to do this when I'm studying God's Word, is I try to get into it. I actually try to slip into... So in this case, I was the fourth traveler. 
Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and Steve. And I get there, and I'm in the car. That's how I just imagine this. I'm cruising along, and I'm like, man, look at what happened in those churches we just left. Let's just take it and, and take our show on the road, and let's just see what, how many more huge numbers we can reach with this glorious good news that says to anybody, regardless of your sinful spots or stripes, I want you, I will forgive you, let me in. Those are words from the Holy Spirit. I want to go for it. And so I find myself going, wait a second. Dead end? Um, Kept from going there? Do you see verse 6? That's why I read it and stopped. They, They were kept by the Holy Spirit from going to those really important places. And then the next verse, when they came to the border, they tried to enter... But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. How did the Holy Spirit do that? That's what I wondered. Was it a roadblock? Was it it resistance? We don't know how. We only know that God blocked their way. And there's more. I... I immediately, when I run into that, you'll hear it in a moment, um, I look for another way. All right? So um, I didn't read anything here. There's no hint that they uh, climbed a fence or crashed the gate. I mean, those are, those are options. So they turn north to Bithynia. I think today, modern uh, times, north, uh, it would be the south edge of the Black Sea. So they go up there, and then they smoothly cross from there into a fruitful field, right? Let me tell you about verse 7. Would you look at that again? Because there's a word there that you don't see it unless I tell you this. When they came to the border, they tried. The verb they tried is a verb for continued to try. They pressed and pressed and pressed. They knocked. They pushed forward. You getting it? Um, That's hard stuff. You know where it took me to? I was thinking about a recent appointment I had to go to. And I had a certain amount of time and enough time to get there. And I come whipping around a corner, and I'm stopped almost immediately uh, because there's railroad crossing gate that came down, and the dinger is going. I don't know about you and that dinger, but that dinger talks to me. (laughs) And I feel like I'm the only guy there. And I'm like, this is crazy. I have got a good place I'm going an important appointment I'm going to. And the dinger spoke to me, you don't get to go till I say so. I know I'm weird, right? But so I did this. I thought I'm not convinced that this, I didn't think immediately, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, thanks for this. I, 
So I, I did a U-turn. Others were doing it too. And I did a U-turn, and I'm sure that was a violation of some traffic law. But anyway, I did it. And I went around. I knew a couple, a couple other ways, and I whip around another corner. And guess who's there? The dinger. The dinger's saying, no, I didn't say go. And I'm just like, you're kidding me. I, I, in that moment, I was frustrated. And I looked at this and I thought, there's no hint that Paul, Silas, or Timothy were ticked. Right? They, I don't know where Paul's frustration meter was. Um, but what happens in verses 9 and 10, and we'll be done, um, redefine the meaning, they really do, of my title this morning, Dead Ends. Um, you can look at dead ends a lot of different ways. I hope this will help you look at it God's way. Verse 9, follow with me as I read this. During the night, while they're stuck, and the dinger's still going, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, that's Greek, Greece, standing and begging, come over here. Come over here and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is where dead ends become God-ordained detours. Their path took them to the Aegean Sea and this dream took care of the rest. Their first night there, God explained to them in a vision that he was the author of the detour. Imagine. He was the author. I made the train thing go down. Man, I want to change it up. I know that's a silly example because there's really serious examples. Um, God was saying, go to Macedonia. You know where Macedonia is? Paul wanted to go to Asia. Makes sense. We've covered that. Macedonia is Europe. The Holy Spirit was saying, Europe's ready. It's ripe. Asia, the time will come. Ready for the gospel. Verse 9, come help us. Wow, that had to be, well, it was. Um, it was so impactful, we're told they wasted no time. You see that? At once. They got ready the next morning, packed their bags, and at once they left for Europe. I, I like that a lot. Um, let's get personal from here to the end, okay? By the way, if you keep following, and I hope you're here next week, we're going to go on. And we're going to find a place called Philippi. 
Aren't you glad for Philippi? What do you know about Philippi? Philippians, four chapters. It's a really cool book in the Bible. So good things happen as a result of this. But let's get personal. How present for you is the feeling of being stuck? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to shout out your name or what it is that has you stuck. You feel as though you've come to a dead end. And I know there's more than a few of us feeling that way. Don't know how to go forward. Is it possible that, is it possible that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, bro, change it up? Look in a different direction. Hook a Yui. Possible? I think possible. Take a different path, the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. I'm actually redirecting your life. So turning you a different direction um, is part of how you get to play a role here. I have a different destination. It happens to be east, and you're pointing west. I, I know where I want you to go. You've got to turn and get there and go there. Um, you remember the words in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9? The mind of humans, mankind, plans their ways. It's good for you. If you're a planner, you love uh, Excel, put together spreadsheets, shows the plan, good for you. I'm not that guy, but, but I, think, I think a lot of those guys. The mind of man plans his ways, period. If you know your Bible, you know there's a comma, not a period. Because it says next, but the Lord directs his steps. Dinger. <laughs> okay? That, the, the word but is a big but. Uncomfortable moment. Um, it's a big butt. Here's why it's a big butt. Okay? Because you, you're going a place you, you didn't just go random. You're going, I want to go there. I know why I want to go there. And the Holy Spirit says, good for you. You've got a great plan. You planned your ways. But! There is great advice in James chapter 4, and we're about to finish. Chapter uh, 4, verse 13 says this, Come now, you who say you're going to get up and go to Seattle, just make an, it says another city, and you're going to engage in business and make a profit. Sounds like a good idea. Actually, you probably won't find a flight. It's so hard to get a flight going. But anyway, so you're good. Come now, 
You who say, I'm going to go to such and such a city and I'm going to engage in a business and make a profit. You don't know what your life will be like. He goes on to say, you're just a mist. Here one moment and then you're gone. You vanish away. Instead, you who are planners, you who have that path laid out, you should say, if the Lord wills, I will go to Seattle, engage in business, stay there that many days and make a profit. Do you hear? If the Lord wills is allowing God to say, but. And you won't sit at a railroad crossing for very long if you follow that with that spirit in your life. God, have your way. Lord, have your way with me. Um, I'm going to assume something right now. There's impatience in some. Hopefully not for me to finish, okay? So, um, but I, I, there's probably impatience for not just Steve at a railroad crossing, tortured by the... I mean, I was there a long time. I was flossing my teeth. I was balancing my checkbook. I did it all right there, you know? And the dinger kept saying, no, not yet, not yet. Okay. And that led me to this, impatience. Um, if that's not just me, but it's more than a few of us, and impatience starts to set in when we encounter what looks like a dead end, not in any way aware that it might be a detour, I want to finish my talk this morning by sharing with you something that happened this week. It came in an email to me from a good friend. So I'm ready I'm getting ready this message. And my friend wrote me, and um, here's the exchange. I wrote some of it down. Um, He was describing to me what it means to wait. It's a four-letter word for some of us. It really is. Waiting's not easy. It's repeated again and again, Psalm 27, 37, Isaiah 40, on and on. Those who wait on the Lord, wait, 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 wait. It's hard to do. He was writing me this. He was trying to make decisions that are important. Decisions about the direction for his elderly parents. I thought, good for you. But he felt stuck. And in his words, he prays, then waits. Prays some more, waits some more. Then he noted, I'm quoting, sometimes we don't get the answer we want in the time frame we want. I've heard that before, but that was really timely. That was good. And he adds, Such is the story of many impatient mistakes in my life. My reply was not quite that profound, but I I offer it this morning. I said to him, boy, can I understand what you are saying. Just now I'm in my study preparing my 
message for Sunday, and it happens to be about the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy heading out on Paul's second missions trip. Paul had plans to go to Asia with the gospel, but God closed the door, not once, but repeatedly, pointing him in a different direction. There's a lot to glean, I continued, from his experience that I'm describing this Sunday, and I have, as dead ends. The reason I chose my title is that we often face obstacles that in fact are dead ends. Like the one you're describing. But God is working in a way that we don't readily see. So what seems like a dead end may in fact be the Holy Spirit working to move us in a different direction for His glory and for our good. And I sent it. And I say to you, people I love, that's still true. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you use dead ends, we call, to detour us, take us in a different direction. But we, I think I've been honest, and I hope I haven't sinned in saying I struggle sometimes with that. I just want to get on with the program and... And so I ask you, Lord, to help. Help me, help us when we wrestle with what you're doing in our lives. To nestle, knowing that your will is for our good and for your glory. You've said, my ways are in fact not your ways naturally. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So, Lord, I'm saying this morning, I'm asking that knowing that, I'm asking that you would help every one of us who struggles with that to surrender to your Spirit's leading and contentedly affirm like a rushing wind Jesus breathe within Lord have your way have your way in me for my good and for your glory we ask these things in Jesus name